Jesus, Jesus, Jesus likes girls. Jesus, 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 Jesus likes girls. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus likes girls. You know, yeah, that makes noise on camera. I mean, on video. You mean on audio? <laughs> That's what I meant. Hello, this is Shannon. This is Zena. And we're back. We be drinking. We be drinking. <laughs> and we're drinking. I'm drinking some non-alcoholic Heineken. Heineken. I'm having rosé. Oh, uh, for the moment until you knock it over. Rosé all day. Rosé all day. Oh, God. I was thinking yeah. <clears throat> about how I laugh so much when I'm listening to reviewing our podcast. Yeah. And part of it is because, A, I laugh all the time, but B, you are a, people don't know this, but you're a theater grad, and so you have a thespian background, and you make the best faces when you're talking. And you don't even have to express your thoughts or feelings when I see your face. I'm cracking up because I already know what you're thinking. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's so good. Everybody's missing out. I'm just saying, I had to add that in. All right, all right. So um, today we want to talk about racism. Yep. We're I'm just diving right in because I'm hot to trot right now. Okay. We're just. We could talk about the weather. We could talk about the floods. But you know, do we need to talk about? That's the only thing on my brain that I have to talk about because my fucking basement flooded. It's full and of I was shit. Literally rescooping up shit water today after it rained. <sighs> torrentially again shit water me i know what's up you just knocked over your pop and i was like i got this <laughs> experience <laughs> i know how to clean up every liquid well i'm glad to see you making the best of it oh you're only seeing the best of me post <laughs> four days of total nightmare gotcha um, well i'm glad i'm on this end yeah then. you are i'm telling you <laughs> Anybody who knows me, we're, I'm glad for them and our relationships that they didn't interact with me over the last four days. I was crying. I was sweating, dripping sweat. I was oh covered God. in shit. Gosh. Yeah, it was terrible. It sounds like young motherhood. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> because I did have a lot of fun with the kids. We were like going, getting crazy, slap happy, and playing around and having Did fun. Did they help you? They helped me slash Rune and Gretchen. Okay. It was a good time. Well, that's cool. It's cool when tragedy brings people closer together. <laughs> Much like the story of racism. <laughs> There's no bringing us together. I, go ahead. Well, I, uh, this, this topic How is just, how do we just, even jump into know. it? It's, it's a like, giant ocean. Well, anything too, being two white people is so, I mean, we can only speak from our own station in life, you know? And so it makes me so hesitant to say anything because I just feel like I'm going to say something that's wrong or well, let me just level the play, play. Let me just level the playing field for you. Yeah. We're going to fuck it up. All right. We're going to say something wrong. We're going to say something offensive. You know why? Why? Because we're white and we fucking suck. White people suck. White people, really, I'm starting to believe they're the devil. Well, that white was devil. my theory the other day. I was like, maybe white people are really the devil. Oh, you did say that. And I agree. I think maybe it's true. I know. When you look at all the atrocities that white people have committed since the beginning of time, it's like, you know what? Satan There's... on earth. <laughs> <laughs> And I listened to a clubhouse yesterday. 
yeah. about racism. Okay. And it said, white people, join in. You're in the hot seat. And I was like, ooh, I'm into this. Okay. There was like 300 people on it. Yikes. And there was, you know, I don't know if you've been on there, but there's only a certain amount of people that are moderators that can talk. Okay. <clears throat> and then if you raise your hand on it, they can invite you up into the stage to speak. But this, some of the rooms are so big, you'll never get a chance. So I didn't even try. And plus I didn't have anything to say except for white people suck. Okay. Um, white people's best is like really missing the mark. Yeah. That's why we are so incapable of making things right. But there's on, one thing. From our understanding. There's one thing worse than a white person. <laughs> I have no idea what you're going to say. A white Christian oh. person. <laughs> I think I agree with you, actually. It's true. It's um, literally true. You suck, and there's nothing to do. <laughs> it brings to mind the movie An Honorable Woman. Did you ever see that? I don't think so. I'm thinking of Promising Young Woman. Jake Gyllenhaal's sister. What's her name? Maggie. Maggie Gyllenhaal. You should watch An Honorable Woman. Okay. And it's it's about, I think, a British or maybe an American white woman who gets kidnapped and held hostage in some uh, Middle Eastern country that mm -hmm. the world's, you know, their countries are at war and everything she has to experience. And um, at the very end, I don't know if she was going to be killed or raped or something, but she was like had somewhat of a relationship with her oppressors. And at one point she just said, okay, she like totally surrendered to what whatever was going to happen to her. And they were like questioning her response. And she was like, I deserve it. And it's so powerful of a film at that point because because she personally maybe doesn't deserve what's going to happen, but the collective sins of her people against this people, she she doesn't deserve any mercy. She mm -hmm. doesn't deserve mercy, you know? And that's what white people can't accept. They can't accept the culpability, even though they themselves didn't do it. The long generations of suffering inflicted on people, there has to be a reckoning. There has to be a reckoning. I completely agree. I just looking at people, looking at the church, oh my gosh, looking at white men in power, I feel like the only hope is when these old people die off who have been continuing all of these systems that are in control of oppressing black people. There's some hope. And the kids. The kids that are growing up right now and that are talking about inclusivity to such an extent that they're like protesting and fighting and raging, that they're breaking down barriers that all of us older generations didn't come, couldn't, couldn't accept. Couldn't even fathom. Right. Didn't, didn't know understand. how. Didn't know how. We have no idea how to embrace not having privilege. I got pulled over the other day. Okay. I got in trouble recently for drinking and driving. I didn't have the, I, it was my worst nightmare and it's a whole thing. And I'm, I'm it's hard, it's hard for me to talk about on here cause it's, it's, I'm embarrassed about it, you know, okay. but it happened and whatever, but I did not have a book thrown at me. Like I imagined, I thought it was going to be like the end of my life. I was, I was going to have like the worst experience that you could possibly have would be a DUI in my mind, you know, as far as the legal system goes and in my world, everybody was so nice to me. Basically there was one officer that I guess I slapped his hand and called him a little bitch and I got in trouble for, but other than that, <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> other than that, everybody was like, you're going to be fine. This is not a big deal. The officer 
officers were saying that to me. And I was like, what? Like, how how are you guys acting like this is not a big deal? This is a big deal, what I did. And so then I've been jumping through hoops and doing everything that I'm supposed to do and being super proactive on things they didn't even ask me to do. And I get pulled over the other night because I have a headlight out. And the officer treated me like a princess. He literally walked up. I was so scared. I was like, 10 hands at 10 and 2. And I was just like, I'm probably going to get arrested because I have a restricted license, I think. I don't even know. They've just been so passive with me. Like, okay, you know. All right. He comes up and he's like, asks me some questions. I hand him my credit card instead of my license because I'm so nervous. And he's like, uh, I was like, I'm sorry. I'm nervous. Oh, here, here. I gave him my stuff. I'm digging for my registration. And I couldn't find my proof of insurance. I said, it's, I have electronic. It's in my phone. If you could just wait a second. And he was like, I'm sure you have it. I trust you. He said, I trust you. Okay. Little backstory. I was a little bit high. <laughs> I... <laughs> I just let my insurance lap, but my proof says I'm still covered, you know, so I would have shown it to him. But technically, I was a serious criminal. I turned without a blinker. I had a headlight out. I'm on a restricted license. I'm under the influence and I have no insurance. I should have gone to jail probably. Mm. But he said, I trust you and came back and gave me a forgivable ticket for my headlight. And before he even walked away, he said, you have a good driving record, right? Oh, right. Mm -hmm. I actually didn't answer. I was like, just looked at him with puppy dog eyes like, please don't arrest me right now. <laughs> <laughs> he came back, gave me a forgivable ticket and all was well. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. How? I didn't deserve that at all. You could have looked at my, my, I just got a DUI. What makes me deserve to get all this pampering? I'm surprised he didn't give me a bag massage. You know, and I look at that experience and I just think I don't want to lose it. I don't want to lose that advantage. Well, it doesn't matter if you want to or you won't. The I world is structured it. so that you won't. Right. I didn't choose it, but I didn't deny it. Did I point out how what I actually deserved? No. Could I have? I think that we, everyone games the system to their own advantage all the time. And we all have moral conflict about it. You know, like I, I. I don't want to speak for any black people. No. But I know a black person who recently had to go through a situation. Without going into the specifics of the story, the person experienced or didn't experience some kind of privilege? They did, but they had to kind of betray themselves mm -hmm. to receive it. Yeah. And so I, as white people, the fact, I don't know. I just think white people don't even consider it most of the time uh, because well, they don't normal. have to. Right. And so if you are beginning to consider it, which may lead to action one day, that would be good. I think it's really important. Okay. I think it's important. Like I need to, like I want to experience, I don't want to, but I think it's important for us to experience kind of a level playing field. Like if you're going to give me the benefit of the doubt, then you should give everybody else the benefit of the doubt when you're pulling them over and no reasonable cause for suspicion. There isn't any, there's no tangible reason. I feel like privilege cause. doesn't work that way. I feel like that's trying to say like privilege can go backward. Like I want you to consider me lower in your own eyes, you know? But a police officer isn't suddenly gonna imbue you with all of his prejudices because you ask him to. I think it works the other way where your privilege should be used 
for good. Not, not as I'm like sudden... a more mar- I don't want to be a martyr. That's not really what I'm saying. Well, I'm saying it. it's almost impossible. Like, But I could at least say something. Like, sir, you're giving me a lot of benefit of the doubt that I just hope that you're giving to every person that you pull over, including African Americans. Well, that would be... That, that it's seems something reasonable. Yeah, it's something because yeah. I wa- I drove away so shocked, kind of. Yeah. Because I just can't believe that I have an experience like that with Gross Point Park Police, and I know that African Americans don't have that same experience on the reg, in especially in Gross Point Park. Right. Well, in in our particular area, we live in the area right by the city of Detroit and a very affluent suburb in Michigan called Gross Point, and they butt up right next to each other. And, Detroit and Gross Point. Yeah, Gross Point and Detroit. And they, um, the racial profiling that takes place in Gross Point is, I mean, it's... As extreme as it could be. Yeah, and it's because there's so much old white money over here and they just enforce the city line with and with the police force Mm -hmm. i mean it's a police neighborhood basically it's a literal segregated city it is and it has to work really hard because it's right next door to detroit so Mm -hmm. like whenever i've received a driving ticket which i always fight because i always believe you can get either your points taken off or your ticket dismissed it's personal theory Mm -hmm. And so whenever I've I received <laughs> driving ticket here in the Gross Point area, when I go to court, which most white people don't, they just pay their tickets, I guess, because I never see any other white people because you pull over black people in the city for almost any offense. I literally don't even know what to say. <laughs> I have so many <laughs> thoughts and feelings, but... <laughs> What? Some of the things, I'll share some of the things that I heard last night, which were a lot of black people addressing racism and saying what they think needs to change. And the only thing that everybody agreed on was that racism is rampant and that white people really don't understand how to talk about it, how to address it. Essentially, the one common thread that everybody like really got loud about was white black people need to be listened to and not explained things and not be told what kind of solutions they think are good or they just want to be heard. Mm. And I that really stuck with me because I don't think I've ever had a conversation with a black person and said, how do you feel about everything that's happening, about these shootings and about the anything that's happening in our country? You know, I don't I've, I'm, I've never done it. Well, it would be a privilege if that person decided to trust you with their actual feelings. And why would they trust me? Right. I wouldn't want to trust any white people ever. I know. And so it's 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 a difficult situation because white people don't want to listen and black people don't want to tell you because who would want to tell you? Like it's just like so it kind of has become a conversation for the academics and the people who can communicate really well mm-hmm. in order to kind of bridge the gap, you know, mm-hmm. with, with African-American thinkers and scholars writing amazing things and white people having the opportunity to read and learn and understand, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, on, like, boots on the ground, Jimmy Kentucky over in Dixieland, I don't know how well that's going because the racism in America is America. I listened to Anthea Butler. Her her book is called White Evangelical Racism. You listened to the whole book? No, I listened to podcasts of her being interviewed. I It was okay, but then I found Clint Smith 
and his book how the word is passed and that was an amazing like uh, like hearing him talk about it he he is a bit more concrete of a communicator like, he's also a poet mm. and so i don't know if it was like something about his way of communication but he was just great he was really helpful and he how the word is passed he wrote this book about visiting very, do you know about angola i don't think so okay angola is the largest prison in the united states where is it south in the south of course it is and it is 1800 acres that's the size of it it's larger than manhattan how have i never heard of this how have none of us i mean this is wait so 75 percent of the inmates are black men and 70 percent of those men are there for life sentences many of whom were sentenced as children they work fields it's on an old plantation how is this even still in operation they work fields for free and there are literal guards on horseback with guns who watch over them as they work every day they hire out the labor force of angola it's on a plantation an old, an old plantation it has a gifts shop what <laughs> shut up it has a gift shop where they sell stuffed animals in little prisoner costumes you're joking i'm googling this right now <laughs> This can't be real. Coffee mugs. Shut up. Watchtowers. Plaques that say Angola, a gated community. What? I wish, I mean, and his point, Clint Smith makes the point that if in Germany, on the site of one of the concentration camps, there now was the largest prison there and 75% of the inmates were Jewish, we would all see that as an obvious sign of anti-Semitism. Yes. You know? But here in the United States, people don't even really know about Angola. I've never heard of it. Yeah. There's a documentary called The Farm about Angola. Yeah, if you want to, like, I don't know, commit suicide afterwards. Because, <sighs> I mean, this is reality. Well, I don't see the store, but it's probably good because if I saw the store, <laughs> I think I would just give up. Give up on humanity. Yeah. But the reason that you brought that up. Well, so I was I was looking for like where where can we find the historical tie-in to Christianity and how Christianity in its fabric also is a proponent of white supremacy and racism mm -hmm. and really when when i landed on that uh podcast i sent you about jim wallace and robert jones i really shit the bed on this one i didn't realize we were listening to those <laughs> podcasts in preparation for this that's I okay it was just the article but he wrote he wrote a book white too long the legacy of white supremacy in american christianity Ew. and he's a white guy so at first i was like eh, stupid white guy you know whatever <laughs> but in the end i was like i felt like i'm more related to his story than clint's or anthea's because i even though i'm saying stupid white guy i am also completely bound within my whiteness mm -hmm. and so maybe hearing him i could relate to a little bit more even though he was a dyed in the wool like raised in the southern baptist guy you know, but at some point with the atrocities in America and all this and understanding his own family legacy, which was slave owning Confederate soldiers, you know, he was true Southern stock Christian. And he said at some point, I felt like if I don't do this work as a white person and look at this and write this book, then my soul is in danger. So he had an amazing point. His point is that Christianity in its DNA is racist. Mm-hmm. 
and specifically American Christianity. He makes the point that American Christianity is unique all over the world because of its individualistic um, take on its relationship with Jesus. In most communities, Christian communities outside of America, it's about the group. Mm-hmm. It's about the community. It's mm-hmm. about the whole, not America. America oh, is like Lone Ranger Christians all the way. It's between me and Jesus. Fuck you. I don't care what you think. And maybe mm-hmm. we we also reflect that, you and I. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we talked about community in the, I think in the evangelical episode. Right. And I said, the only people that I've ever seen get like sharing the gospel. We're right? in Europe. We're in Europe <clears throat> because they lived communally and they met each other. They met people's needs together. Yeah. And in America, I mean, sometimes the church might help you out a little bit if you ask, but yeah. it's not a place you go. To it's a help. transaction. Yeah. It's not a community. No. He makes the point that when slave owners were in the founding country, they would sometimes bring their slaves to church and they would put them like in the back of the church or up in the balcony and they would bring them. But they didn't believe that they like had souls or were full people or whatever. Mm-hmm. But in order, if because they had to ignore the social ramifications of what their behavior was in order to still be at peace with the fact that they called themselves a Christian. Mm-hmm. So that idea of my Christianity is between me and Jesus, whatever's really happening around me, that's beside the point. It's actually that individualistic Christian mindset that America is so famous for is a result of the self preservation because of committing the atrocity of slavery and its very beginnings yeah. you know mm-hmm. and so it continues today like that is the a in- individualism and ignoring the atrocities of our behavior and its effect on other people <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> like in, in and i'm fine with jesus it doesn't matter actually what my behaviors are. So he was saying that, you know, the DNA of that is, of Christianity is in part formed by the racism that the founding nation embraced. Well, and this is what I feel like becomes kind of a stumbling block for modern Christians is that we are, we are so individualistic and because of it, we're unable to attach ourselves to the sins of the past. It's the same behavior. It's the same mentality. Yeah. I I mean, we've all heard so many white people say, why am I responsible for the gentleman that you said wrote the article? He said he had a, he had direct lineage that were slave owners. So for that person, I think it's easier for him to say, I have, I need to repudiate the past. This is my lineage. Because it's so lineage. concrete. Yeah. Yeah. But for somebody who grows up in Michigan, I'm like, we were part of the union. Right, right. No, wrong, wrong. Like, (laughs) white, white. That's it. (laughs) You know? That's really what the truth is. And I think Christians are doing the most disgusting reversal of good faith by not being willing to acknowledge their part in setting up this whole structure. Oh, more than that. Not only are they not willing, they're some of the worst perpetrators of conservative mindset that perpetuate racism. Racism. You're right. And it's it's shocking. Well, this guy also had a good point about that thing. He was saying, and this is another thing with Christianity and the racist history of America. He was saying that, you know, slavery wasn't new. Slavery is as old as the Bible, you mm-hmm. know? 
And we know many cultures had slaves in America in order to not face the, the reality of what they were doing to a fellow child of God because slavery in the United States was torture. Mm -hmm. So in order not to face it, we decided... Three-fifths of a person. Not a human being. <sighs> And so that is Christian. That's that's assuaging Christian guilt, you know? Well, it even started before that with the genocide against Native Americans. Or, I mean, as white Christians would say, savages. They were not human either. They were animals. They were savages. Sure. And we massacred them, raped them, stole from them, lied from them, took everything they had. Correct. But so I would say that the generational legacy for Christianity now is that this was a study he said with most issues like Black Lives Matter or police brutality. If white people are polled about, you know, what do you think about this issue? Where do you fall with it? Pe white people with church affiliation and white people without. Most or the the Christian people, 20 to 30% more side with the conservative viewpoint of like, all lives matter. Police brutality is, uh, well, people are rioting, you know? Like, mm -hmm. those people are, Christians are 20 to 30% answering that in the affirmative than cr white people who are not affiliated with the church. Makes total sense. 20, a quarter percent lower. So that shows you that this legacy in the church is there about not seeing black people as equal human beings mm -hmm. that should be treated with dignity and respect. It's still there. And he was saying that he felt like the American church needs to, it's like when someone's cancer is so invasive that you nearly have to kill them. You have mm. to give them so much chemotherapy that all of their cells die and you have to infuse them with something else, but they need to be nearly brought to the brink of death if they expect to live. And he's saying that's what truly actually would have to happen in the American church. I completely agree. I We've said too. the same thing, I feel like. I agree Like the too. current structure needs to die. It does. And when you were saying that, I imagined like every church, at least every white church, even every white evangelical church completely shuts down. What would all these people do? Where would they go? I imagine, I just had this like quick visualization of them like spreading out like if you stomp on anthill okay. and the ants all just go floundering mm -hmm. looking for a place i mean of course some of those assholes would just congregate together and start the clue another klu klux Klan or something <laughs> tiny ants with hoods <laughs> but some of them might actually go into board neighboring communities and start spending time or even just beginning to interact with other people outside of their microcosm which they call church so you're putting forth the idea if you remove the church as a building construct congregational meeting center that people might actually have more impact in their own communities or their lives might improve. Well, I mean, even just like during the pandemic, people didn't have the option to congregate together. And so they actually started spending more time connecting with one another. I'm sure it was white to white. You know, people weren't going outside of their comfort zones. But yeah. I just wonder if the system as it stands could just be broken out, broken down, thrown in the tr dumpster fire. Yeah. How would people start to interact? I don't know. How, how can we destroy the church? <laughs> I'm just, oh God. 
I, there's no way that the I was I was thinking about I was gonna say there's no way that the current structure can continue and any change will happen with the church. But I was thinking about my father-in-law who has made really a life made has made a lot of commitment and devotion to a life of service. But he is a Trump supporter. Yep. And he is he's a Christian plaque buyer. Oh, he loves plaques. Zeta's always <laughs> noticed that. <laughs> How many quotes does this man hang? <laughs> I mean, there's got to be like 30 in the house. He was living with me before we sold our, our last home in Did Detroit. Did he hang up a plaque? He hung up a live, laugh, love plaque oh, in the Jesus. kitchen. And I was like, out of all the quotes, you could choose that one? <laughs> like the worst one? <laughs> Throw up a like, Jesus loves you at least. <laughs> like you gave me a live, laugh, love? <laughs> how? It's pretty indicative of how short-sighted this man is. Because... Gosh. He is doing good things for the black people. Oh, God. Yeah. He's so racist. He's so... He's so short-sighted in his desire to love other people and has no idea. Well, I know another white Christian guy like that who thinks he's the fucking authority on blackness and black America and what black people really need because he serves. And, And I remember once Josh and I were in a conversation with him and Josh was basically like pointing out his racism in the way, cause he, he answers with so many spouted conservative rhetoric kind of statements. Mm-hmm. And Josh was like, uh, you know, you're saying that you are, you know, for equality, but you're also saying this and you're just holding him on it. Mm-hmm. And another white Christian at the table was like, you know what, Josh, I think that we should just let him speak because he's the one who's actually out there serving. <gasps> And it was just like, fuck you. Because you, you think what? You think because, I mean, someone's actions of service can be self-centered and egotistical and they can be a false humility because where's the, if there's real humility, yeah. then it, it, it probably won't be service. It'll probably be a relationship and not like dog shit in my hands. You know, I'm like, <laughs> it's like. That is worthless. It's like the verse, like, if I do acts of service and I don't have any love, what good is it? You know, it's like you you sound like a clanging cymbal. You yeah. literally do. I had so many visuals of instruments in my head when you were trying to come up with that scripture. I was like, <laughs> cymbals, drums, flutes. I was like, she's going to get it. She's going to get it. <laughs> but I mean, the person actually does. When they're just like holding, really, really holding dog shit in their hands and they're like, I'm an amazing Christian. And you're just like, I want to jump off a bridge. I totally understand. I mean, we all suck. You know, we all have our issues and, and, you know, we all fall short, blah, blah, blah. Yes, that's true. But when you're touting yourself as a do-gooder for the black community, you're already wrong. Seriously. Because that is truly, to me, reprehensible. Like, it's it's total pride. It's like, don't let your left hand see kind of behavior that needs to go on when you're doing something good for somebody. And you're right. It is relationship. Because both of these men that we were talking about really lack in relationship. 
relationship. My father-in-law, there's all kinds of fallout in his path while he's running the race, you know? And And that's what so many Christians do. That's what I was going to say is he goes to a big, big mega church where they they all, you know, they all have the same belief system. They all believe together corporately, like we're loving God when we meet together and praise God and reach out to those black kids at that camp and do good and... And they're so... Vote against abortion. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there are some DNA American Christianity things that have gone through the years that are, they need to like have... Die. They 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 need need to go away. And, And Thea Butler did say that if American Christianity doesn't accept the challenge of seeing its racism at this point, at, mm-hmm. or at some point, doesn't accept the reckoning, then they will just become an obscure fringe group that will have, like, even more, like, fringe than they believe themselves to be because they think they're persecuted now. Yeah. You know, they will literally just become fringe things. Say it, say it again to me, Zina. It's like, <laughs> say it one more time. It's like fringe. candy. They would yeah. become a fringe group. It's like... That will... <laughs> That will have, they'll just be like a sideshow, like a freak show, like, oh, evangelical Christians. I mean, they're nearly there now. They're, yes. But there's a large swath of people that still brainwash their children and, you know, they're trying to raise up new generations of racist kids. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're still doing damage. I just, you know, I also imagined when we were talking about my father-in-law's megachurch, I imagined them, I mean, have you ever heard corporately a church say, do you know that we white people used to lynch black people and maybe we should spend like 30 minutes of just praying for forgiveness for the sins of our past. Some Anything like that. I've never heard anybody say anything like that. No. And I can't imagine how powerful it would be for people to just be able to, for one second, think about the atrocities that white people have been committing since the beginning of time and grieve over the pain that we've inflicted, inflicted on black people. Yeah. Yeah. White people weird. never do it. No. And, and it's weird because community and communal things like that. I mean, during BLM, I saw a couple churches Churches, like kneeling, asking for forgiveness, praying, you know, That's asking, awesome. asking God. But there's something very showy about it, mm-hmm. you know. And it's almost like well, being a Christian is like the goofiest thing you can be. I mean, even like the most devout, amazing Christian, we're weird. No, but I'm just saying Christians are weird. If you pray on the street, it's like, am I a Pharisee or not? But there can be some real things that happen. Yeah. I think one of the, I saw people lay down. That was one of the moving, like corporate things I saw in groups. I don't know that they were affiliated with any church, but they, so many protesters were getting attacked. And so to further show that they were peaceful, they all laid on the ground. Yeah, yeah. I saw things like that too, but I thought it was more about uh, representing dead bodies. I think that there was all of the above. Yeah. I think it was moments of silence. I think it was that. I think it was also trying to show that they were completely peaceful. They were not. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. But it's moving to see groups of people with humility and and care and concern. It is. It is moving. I guess it's just always suspect as well. Because white people have been liars since the beginning of time. Are the devil. Mm-hmm. So it's tough to really <laughs> see them kneeling and praying and just thinking, like, you're going to shoot me as soon as you stand yeah. up, right? Like, oh, <laughs> it's, it's hard to believe. 
Well, this article that you sent me from Time, she started talking about the violent mob at the Capitol. Yes. Because we've never seen something like that as Americans. Nope. And those people stated they thought they were doing God's will. I'm just, I need a minute. <laughs> Whoever that dude is, thank you for dressing that way and representing the group, the mob, that we have a, like a costume that so accurately describes the fuckery that they were doing and committing. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's etched into our brains forevermore. You know? I know. And they just... Somebody, Anthea Butler was talking about that too, and she was like, they just look like a bunch of dirty white guys. <laughs> like, take a bath. But, well, the one thing that she said that stuck out to me was that mob, we, they, they look so, they look like characters. They look like regular white people can't really um, identify with them. And she said, they're, they said themselves, they're a fringe element, a lot of them. Mm. They're radically misunderstood. They've radically misunderstood the real message of American Christianity. And it's not true. Right. She's like, that is us. Yes. Yes. And that's something that I think white people, us as white people, have a really, I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to hang out with him. We are him. Oh, God. Right? <laughs> but here's the thing. I have to read you something. Okay. Okay. I so I learned from listening to Anthea Butler that during the insurrection on the Capitol, someone shit took their pants. A shit in the Capitol. And this was You are doing me right right now. <laughs> we have to hear this article. <laughs> All right, it's by Chris Sommerfeld from the New York Daily News. And it's called Pro-Trump Rioters Smeared Poop in U.S. Capitol <laughs> Hallways During Belligerent Attack. <laughs> Hold on. They took a dump on American democracy. Literally. Wow. <laughs> so that's the title of the article? <laughs> that's the first sentence. Some of the unhinged pro-Trump rioters who stormed the Capitol defecated inside the historic building and tracked their feces in several hallways. Oh my God. The Daily Lear News has learned. The vile attackers whose violent invasion right of the Capitol left five people dead apparently went number two in a bathroom and then smeared their what? extremist excrement around the building. <laughs> Um, leaving behind brownish footprints. It These looks, staffers really endured the worst it from looks some of like the stories. They really I've heard. tracked it around. Oh my god! The Trump-boosting poop putzes didn't just leave Wait, turds hold on. in hold their on. wake. Did you say poop putzes? <laughs> Read the sentence. The Trump-boosting poop putzes didn't just leave turds in their wake. Poop putzes. That's my new favorite. Egg Fecal fiasco. Poop putzes. Egged on by President Trump, the throngs of far-right rioters smashed windows, fought police officers, and vandalized offices. Trump, seemingly oblivious to the stain his presidency is leaving on U.S. history. No pun intended. Putzes. Cheered on the insurrectionists in a since-removed Twitter video when he said, We love you. So, yeah, that what is... What the reason that you brought that article up? Well, just because, A, I didn't know. Well, it's, it's a masterpiece. It is a, a. masterpiece. <laughs> There's that. But I didn't, I didn't know that someone had 
done that in the capital, and so why not, Zena? <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I actually I wanted to see a photo. I was trying to find oh like my dear a God. picture, like maybe he took a picture of himself because they were doing things like that. I'm like, I have to in the see. bathroom after he smudged his shit all over the mirror and wrote a message to Nancy Pelosi. Well, I'm saying they were doing stuff like that, so I'm like, I missed the shit picture and so i was looking for it and then i found that article and i was I like i want to know why you kept this magic from me all this time i thought it was a good closer <laughs> <laughs> well ladies and gentlemen this fecal fiasco is about done Thanks for joining us. Please write us at jclikesgirls at gmail.com. And uh, thanks if for listening. If you have any pics of that, please, yeah. please add those attachments. If you were in the Capitol building, just please don't even write us. <laughs> True. Okay. Bye. Peace. <laughs>